Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. I'm Jesse Lubinsky, host of the Partial Credit Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 115 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell from ShakeUp Learning, and in today's episode, we are going to dive into something that's become more important, I think, every single day, and that's social-emotional learning and being able to connect with our students and using Google tools to support that. So we're going to jump in and explore some ways that we can do that and make better connections with our students and help support them during these uncertain times. We're also going to share a few things from the blog. We've got some Google News and updates. Y'all, updates every single day, it seems like. (laughs) And we also have some tips from the blogosphere, I believe. So you ready to get this going? I am ready. Let's do it. So there is kind of an overriding theme in our Google News and Updates today, at least for a lot of it. And it has to do with, surprise, surprise, Google Meet. There are all sorts of updates to it as more and more people in the education world and beyond are using video calls and streaming and all of that. Um, That's been sort of the focus, I think, of Google and its updates is trying to make sure that they're meeting the needs of people uh, during all of the school closures and the quarantines and all. And so that's going to be a, a big part of the the news and updates that we have for you today. And this first one is a pretty cool thing. If you've ever tried to do audio and video over a video meeting. And so if you've ever tried it before, you may have noticed that sometimes you get choppy audio or choppy video if you try to share your screen and it's got a video on it or if it's got audio on it. And so Google has rolled out a new feature where you can present a Chrome tab. And so that means that within your Google Chrome web browser, you're able to present a single tab into your Google Meet video call. And it will take any of the audio and the video from it and present it in a more smooth, like high definition type of video. So what's neat about this is whenever you whenever you go to share your screen and you decide to present a tab, it'll show what's going on in that tab. 
And so you can click play on a video, you can play some audio, or of course, if your video has audio, uh, any of those should play smoothly to the people that are watching. If you decide you want to switch between tabs, you'll get a little pop-up window asking if you want to present the new tab or if you want to keep presenting the previous tab and just click over to another tab. So you have the option to be presenting a tab that isn't even displaying on your screen, but everybody else is still seeing it, which is which is kind of cool. So um, these are all... You know, this, this is one of those those features that opens up some new options when it comes to teaching with Google Meet video calls uh, so that now if we do want to show students a video, if we want to play an audio or whatever, they're able to see it and they're able to see it a little bit more smoothly. And then, of course, when that's done in the video call, then we can have discussion about it right afterwards. So this this would be a pretty nice feature. Yes, that's a feature that teachers have been asking for. In fact, I think I got the question the same day that that was announced. And the only other way to do that was through casting. And it was pretty complicated and not something that every user can do or really should have to do to do that. So I love that Google is stepping up and making Google Meet meet our needs a little bit better and not just in (laughs) education, but other ways too. So um, hopefully we're going to avoid the meat basket today. But there is another (laughs) meat update. (laughs) And this is one that has been bugging a lot of teachers as well. So they have now allowed you to set up a tile view inside Google Meet, where you can see up to 16 meet participants at once in that layout. So that's going to let you see more of your kiddos at once. I don't know if you're able to connect with more than 16 at once. You're probably a lucky teacher if you can get all your kids on there at once. Yeah. But 16 is not not probably your entire class, but that's still better. And I know that a lot of teachers were having to use a Chrome extension, The I think it was called the Grid View Chrome extension inside Google Meet to make this work. So now they're at least embedding this inside the program. It looks like the rollout is starting on April 20th, which we have already passed and should be completed by April 24th. So you should actually have it by the time this is released. If you're on a rapid release, a scheduled release, you may have to wait until May 1st to have this. So I know a lot of teachers will be grateful and a lot of adults who are meeting this way as well. Yeah, yeah, this is really such a popular thing. And, you know, related to this, I will throw one little thought out here that if you're meeting with your students in a grid view like this, where you can see, you know, all of their faces or 16 of their faces all at once, I know a lot of teachers have had the tendency to want to take a screenshot of that, which is great. (laughs) And then sometimes they want to take it and share it out on social media. So I'm going to be that guy real quick. And I'm going to remind you that you might want to be. Yeah, yeah. You might want to be careful about that because, you know, sharing your students' faces out onto social media in public where everybody can see is a violation of lots of things unless you have releases from all of those students' parents. So, you know, what sometimes people will do is they'll blur the faces or they'll put little emojis over the faces, um, you know, different ways that you can that you can get around that. Or, you know, just take the picture and keep it for yourself so that you can remember the time. So. All good stuff. Um, let's go to another one related to Google Meet. It is the meat basket, Casey. It's like we're the butcher it's shop. The meat basket. We are. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, forever going to want to call it Google Meeting. Let's just call it. I just want to rename it Google. Come on. <laughs> Google Meeting. Yeah, that's right. But you're adding a syllable, you know. 
I don't know, but it, but it's less confusing. Well, we'll we'll can keep considering that. So, um, so <laughs> I, I'm going to call them right now. <laughs> yeah, call them up on the Google phone. That's right, everybody. There's yeah. Casey and mm-hmm. I have this standing joke that we have that that people seem to think that we have this phone that's like the bat phone that's connected to Google, and they're like, "Why don't you call up Google and tell them to make this change?" And I'm like, "Oh, honey, it doesn't work that way. Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, here's our third, um, our third piece of meat. We're going to, we're going to switch over to Gmail with this one. So what Google has done recently is added integration of Google meet into Gmail. And so once you get this, you're going to be able to start a meeting or join a meeting with a click. This will be in your left-hand sidebar under where the compose button is and your inbox and all of your labels and everything. And so you're able to click on that. If you want to join an existing meeting and they've shared the code with you, you can just type the code in and it'll take you there. If you want to start a brand new meeting, you can you can click that and it's just like going to the Google Meet page. And so um, that makes it pretty, I mean, really all it is, is it's just a couple of handy buttons so that you don't have to jump out of Gmail to go to go someplace. And so this one is kind of like the the last one. Uh, rapid release should be available if, um, if you, know, you should have probably already gotten it. And then with scheduled release, that one should be by the, the end of April. We're going to change gears. Yay. Yay. We're going to stop talking about the meat basket and we are going to look at something fun. So this is from Google Arts and Culture and it is in honor of National Park Week. Yay, Google Arts and Culture. Yay. Yay, Google Arts and Culture. Yay. Yay. We can't go to any parks right now. <laughs> so this is this is actually very timely, I think, because we need the escape. We need to be able, even virtually, to escape and get outside and explore the world that we have at our fingertips. And this is going to allow you to explore some of the national parks. And it's a collaboration with the National Park Service that takes you on guided tours narrated by park rangers. So you can go to... And y'all forgive me if I pronounce anything wrong here, but the Kenai for- <laughs> Fords, Hawaii Volcanoes, got that one right, Carlsbad Caverns, Bryce Canyon, and the Dry Tortugas. And you can also visit the historical sites that have never been available before, like Eleanor Roosevelt's Woodsy Home in Hyde Park, New York, or Thomas Edison's Camping Sites, uh, which is is really interesting. I had no idea that we even knew where he went camping. So uh, more than 100 Street View historical tours to choose from and collections that let you discover Native American craft work or fossils from archaeological digs. So lots of great stuff in here. I did watch the short little intro video on this, and it was pretty mesmerizing. And in fact, the sound and the high definition quality of the video were incredible. So Hmm. I really think they have kicked things up a notch. So if you need an escape or if you want to give some suggestions to your students and families, maybe they can go explore. If they can't go camping right now, maybe they can go virtually and explore some of these amazing national parks. Yeah. And I, I just noticed that uh, Grand Canyon is part of this and you can go hike virtually hike part of the Bright Angel Trail, which is one that my family and I've been on. So I'm going to have to go check that one out. So so if if glamour camping is glamping, then is virtual camping like we're talking about? Is that vamping? I think that means something else. <laughs> oh, no, does it really? 
<laughs> Are we going to have to cut this out? I don't think it's out? bad. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Oh, no, vamping okay. like um, making something up, right? Oh, okay. Okay. I was afraid I'd said right? something bad. Am okay. I making up? Am I, am I making I up know. a new word someone, right now? I don't someone think so. will let us I know. I, I'm pretty sure. All right. Oh man, we this may is have kind of, a little bit of cabin fever. Yeah, this has kind of fallen off of the wheels here. So, if you're interested in any of the links to anything we've talked about, head to our show notes at GoogleTeacherPodcast.com/slash/115. Okay, y'all, while we're putting away the meat basket, let's talk oh, about our featured content, which is really at the heart of connecting with students. And that can be really difficult right now. I know a lot of my teacher friends are struggling. I, I still have some teachers who haven't been able to even get in touch with some of their students. And when you are getting in touch with them, particularly, let's just say the teenagers, can can sometimes be a little bit difficult. And we're all struggling. You know, Matt and I were even sharing some personal stories before we started that there's a lot of pressure right now on everybody. Everyone from the little bitty ones to the adults. Um, there's so much going on. There's so much pressure to perform in this new environment. There's so much pressure to get back to normal and kind of feel like we need to help students connect in new ways and get that social interaction in in some of the ways that we can even virtually. And Google tools are great at helping us do that. And even Google Meet that we were talking about earlier is one of the tools that will definitely be talked about during this, this episode. But we want to encourage that connectedness. You know, the kids are connecting without us, that's for sure. Um, I don't know how many of you have learned a TikTok dance during this time period. <laughs> I know I've learned a few. I'm not posting them, don't worry, but I have learned Aww. a few. But we're connecting, we're exploring. And to be honest, I'll tell you, TikTok is my stress relief because when my mind won't let go of all of the issues and the stress and the problems that I'm facing or that everyone else is facing, I'm like, I just, I got to tune out for a few minutes and laugh. And that lets me laugh, that entertains me, that, you know, helps us kind of make fun of our own issues right now. And our kids are doing that in different ways. But we also want to make sure that we're connecting with kids and families. You know, I feel like our relationships with families has changed during this whole remote learning time. One of the first tips that I learned from Jennifer Pearson back in my interview with her several weeks ago, um, she was the teacher who evacuated from China. So she was kind of a few weeks of, ahead of us. And she said to post a good morning video. You know, just for the kids to see your face, just for them to know you're a real person, you're still there, you're there to support them, just being able to post that. A lot of schools are not necessarily allowing us to act um, or interact online in a live video format, but if they'll allow you to post your own video, whether that's a lesson or just a check-in, you know, hey, here I am. And I know a lot of teachers are also doing some virtual office hours, you know, hey, I'm going to be online for two hours. And if you want to come in, talk about your assignment or just say hello, just let me know how you're doing. You know, just have those emotional check-ins. You know, what's your mood? You know, even with the the little ones, sometimes it might be an emoji that helps them express how they feel at the moment. And just knowing how each other feels can help us support each other during this rough time. Yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. I think um, you know, I think that those 
video calls, those Google Meet video calls can be a really important part of that. And the reality is, you know, so many of the teachers that are using these, I think, in in the best ways, at least in, in my opinion, are the ones that are using them for those check-ins and for the time to, you know, really build community, get the students together and help them to see each other's face and hear each other's voice. And, you know, just to kind of check in, um, you know, that's really one of the roles that school plays. But whenever we're in school physically, we don't really actively think about that role as much. And that is the ability to help students to grow and develop socially as well. And so whenever we're not there in person, then, you know, either there's got to be a a replacement for that, a way to do that, or it just sort of falls off. And so, um, you know, getting the class together in a, in a meeting to just check in or to see what they've been doing, or even to hear from each student and, you know, just have them talk about what they've been learning and what they've been doing. There are some other fun things that you can do with some of those video calls too. Um, I co-authored a post with uh, Holly Clark, who wrote the Google co-authored the Google Infused Classroom. She's been on the show before, and we talked about some of the ways that you can use video calls and video meetings with students. And she came up with a handful of really fun ones. Um, so, for instance, I'll throw a couple of the ideas out that we had in that post. One was a "Would you rather" debate. So you take one of those questions like, you know, would you rather have a snake or a turtle as a pet? Would you rather eat a one pound hamburger or a one pound chicken sandwich or, you know, something crazy like that? Having having some little fun debates like that could be good. You could even play a 20 questions game where you have somebody try to think of something or, you know, whatever and have everybody ask questions to try to narrow it down. How about movie reviews or Netflix reviews? Like, what are you watching on TV um, and what do you think about it? And, you know, obviously a lot of those things that are out there do have some educational value to them. So um, that could work. Uh, Holly even threw one in about virtual talk shows. I thought this was so much fun. You know, having someone be the kind of like the host and then bringing in guests to talk about it. And of course, the guests could be the students. So lots and lots of um, different things that you can do with those video calls. But I think that is definitely a really good medium for building up those relationships, building that sense of community and helping students just to feel like things are normal a little bit more, maybe laugh a little bit in a place that they might not really, really like those ideas. And it's okay. Like these are exceptions to get off topic, right? I feel like that's, you know, we're not just able to deliver everything the way that we were. We can't replicate the school day. And you know what? I think it's okay sometimes to get off topic, even when we're in the classroom. But I have seen some really fun coordination between students to do things for their teachers or to surprise their teachers on those video calls. So sometimes it's not just coming from the teachers. Sometimes it's coming from the students. I have seen um, them get together and coordinate their own little TikTok dances and things too. In fact, my best friend said that was a reward. She would agree to let them do a group TikTok dance. I don't know if it was actually posted, but just to let them do that. Um, if they did the other things that she was asking for, it was a little bit of a bribe, but you know what? I get it. It's, it's a stress relief and it is connecting. You get to know your kids on a different level when you do these things. And, you know, Matt, that's not so different from what we talk about 
during whatever the normal used to be, that building relationships has always been the number one thing that we can do to help our students, to support our students, and to increase learning and engagement. So this is not a new thing. It's a new medium, but we are finding some new ways to do this. This also made me think of my friend, Lisa Johnson. So shout out to the tech chef, tech chef for you. If you don't know Lisa, you should. She did a guest blog post for me and was on the Shake Up Learning Show podcast a few months ago where she shared a lot of different Google templates and trackers that I, I love in Google Sheets. And so I thought of a couple of different ones that she had in that post. And one of them is a gratitude and mood tracker. So it's in Google Sheets. And all it does is ask for, you know, the date, the mood um, in the morning, the mood in the afternoon, and then kind of that quick daily gratitude journal, you know, just a few phrases, sentences or whatever to help us stay focused on the positive things. And it's great. She has this template ready to go. I'll have a link back to that post in our show notes. The other one is a mood and health chart, which can actually be really useful right now, too. So this one has date, mood, um, sleep, how much sleep you're getting, water uh, intake, exercise, listening to music, getting outside, doing all those things that just kind of keep not only our mood in check, but also when we're experiencing this cabin fever thing and quarantine, you know, getting outside and exercising and doing some different things. So I think these are great. I do think um, they are probably more designed for older students at first glance, but you could easily adapt this. And even with the little ones, I feel like we could have, say, a Google form with some emojis. Like, you know, what what's your mood right now? How do you feel right now? Do you feel the smiley face? Or are you, do you maybe have some tears? And, you know, there, there is that pressure point that I think a lot of us are hitting with this, that we don't even realize how we feel until someone asks us or someone close to us has that conversation. Are you okay? And a lot of teachers I know that are doing attendance right now, and a lot of schools are using things like Google Forms, but not just, hey, are you here today? Did you do your work or, you know, some kind of reflection question, but add that little check-in question. How are you doing today? How do you feel? Is there anything wrong? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, just having those conversations, giving a child that opportunity to respond in a private format, you know, having that check-in so that you can find out what's really going on because we don't know. We can't control what's happening in the home. And I know a lot of teachers are really worried about some kids right now, um, some kids that we haven't seen in weeks that depend on the comfort and safety of home. You know, can we even get in touch with them right now? Can we get that information from that that student and and just have that check-in and find out how they're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so, so good. You know, you were talking about the, the trackers and how those might be adapted for younger kids. I could even see it being put into a slide and, you know, having them like, you know, drag a, a like a circle or an outline around the, the one that they're feeling and, um, you know, maybe have them throw a comment or, you know, type in the, speaker notes or something, what their, what their thoughts are and all of that. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that we can do. I wanted to throw a couple of kind of quick hits in as we wrap this up. Um, 
for some other things that you can do. You know, I really feel like Google Slides is a very fertile ground for being able to do some of these connections and some of these check-ins and some of this, you know, like emotional well-being stuff. And I think one of the, actually really two of the features that Slides has that really fits with this, one of them is the webcam is the ability to insert a picture through the webcam. And so in that case, you take a picture of yourself and not necessarily like to say how you're feeling, but maybe to say what you're doing or to show your surroundings or show a picture of something cool that you're doing. Snap a picture with your webcam or even just, you know, pull one off of your cell phone and stick it into that slide. And if students are able to create slides like that to show kind of like, what is my current status? What do things look like? It's almost like a way of recreating something like Instagram. You know, Instagram, we share pictures of what's going on with our life. Um, Instagram might not work in the classroom, but sharing a slide with some text that kind of describes what's going on could fill that same thing. Um, I think as far as the Google form goes, um, you know, Casey was talking about this earlier. Uh, you could do a, a simple well-being check with students and just ask them. You could set up a real simple Google form that said, uh, you know, just ask what's their name, how are you doing, and maybe a bigger text field to describe. And that Google form, of course, is a, is pulled into a Google Sheet where you can see it. But even within the settings of the Google form, you can set it up so that when students complete it, it sends you an email. And so you could even see whenever a student does one of those uh, sort of well-being check-ins, you could get an email immediately and see what they have to say and then just follow up with them. You know, another way that this could work, too, is if um, if you use Google Classroom, you could always create a non-graded Google Classroom assignment asking the same question. Um, you know, how are you doing? And whenever students complete it, either with a Google form or not, then you have the ability to use the private comments and follow up. So now you have this built in communication tool that would let you go back and forth. So I think that could that could certainly work. Um, even if we go with the tools that are outside of the Google universe, but that connect well with Google Classroom, there's a couple of the, them that come to mind for me. Um, one, of course, is Flipgrid. Flipgrid is so good for recording little short videos. Students can do those check-ins. You can give them some fun prompts. You can even have them record little videos of them and their pets or them and their family. Um, I had a friend who did a prompt with students where if they could pull in their family, she gave them a couple extra credit points or something. So that's fun. And then you've also got something like Pear Deck, which makes your slides interactive. Pear Deck has this student paced mode where students can go through the slides and interact with this, their slides on their own time. And if you pull in some of their templates that they've got for social emotional learning, um, you know, that ask some of these very questions, you know, you pull some of those templates in and ask students those questions, they can interact with them on their own time. That could work really well, too. So my goodness, there are lots and lots of things that we can do um, when it comes to building those connections with students. Absolutely. And I feel like there's some teachable moments that are popping up as well. So with the connections, with concerns about privacy and safety, these are also opportunities to begin having those conversations with students about what is appropriate online behavior. How do we keep ourselves safe? You know, those things have become 
extremely apparent (laughs) at the moment. And so I just wanted to mention the Applied Digital Skills Program from Google that is online curriculum and ready and available for students. Now, there is an actual lesson on, um, actually, I think there's several lessons on different types of like cyberbullying and safety and, and different things like that. But that's a great resource if students are looking just for some of that enrichment, or if you're having some of those conversations, you might be able just to share some of that information on the fly, just to remind students what's, you know, what's acceptable, what we should be doing to protect ourselves and why we can and can't do some of the things that we're doing. The other thing that I wanted to mention just real quickly is I feel like there's more people using Google Classroom than ever right now. So Google Classroom is another place that even in just a message that we can communicate with students, whether that's through a private comment, maybe that's where we can get our check-in, or if you allow students to post and comment, which during something like this, I normally encourage teachers to at least try it. But if you allow students to post and comment, they could share things on the stream and and post their own, you know, ideas and, and connections and allow them to connect with each other in a way, too. You can mute individual students, by the way. You don't have to turn that feature completely off just for that one student who refuses to uh, be appropriate during that time. So just thought I would mention that. Tons of ideas. We'd love to hear from you, too. How are you supporting some some of these social emotional learning and skills during this time period? How are you connecting with your students? Of course, we've got links to everything in our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 115. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. Okay, folks, it's mailbag time. So first one we've got for you is a voice message that we got from a listener who had a question about using Classroom and Meet. So take it away. Hi, Matt and Casey. I have a question about Google Meet. I have enabled the Google Meet um, on my Google Classrooms. And so students can access this by going to the top banner or underneath in the classwork, underneath um, or at the top of the classwork part. But I was wondering if there was a way to um, go in Google Calendar and set up a scheduled time. Because when I do that, um, it assigns a different Google Meet location. So then the students aren't going to the same spot. So my workaround is I go down to the description and there's a spot to enter a link. And so I do it that way. But it doesn't um, allow me to enter my Google Classroom meet, if that makes any sense. All right. Thank you. I enjoy your show. And it's helped quite a bit. And I shared out with the rest of my the rest of the teachers at school. Thanks. Yeah, so there's a couple of things in this that I think are are really good. One is this person mentions the the Google Meet link that is accessible from the top banner of Google Classroom. And by the way, um, I know we talked about that recently. If you're not familiar with that, um, if your district admin has enabled that, you can go into an individual class and click the settings button, and there's a place where you can enable that Google Meet meeting room, basically. And that's the one where you and your students can meet um, whenever necessary. And so 
you know, I think just asking students to go click that button whenever it's time for, you know, whatever it's time for your class to meet is probably a pretty easy way to do it. Um, now, of course, if you're using Calendar and it does generate that other link, you know, that could be just as simple as, um, you know, continuing to tell the students, hey, if that link shows up, don't go to that link. Just use the one up in the banner. Um, so I think the, those are a couple of easy things. And like she says, putting a link down in the description, you say, hey, use this one instead. I think those are some pretty easy workarounds. But yeah, the, I think those would definitely work. We hit on this last week, but there's so many new users or newer users who haven't tried to do some of these things in Google. So we are seeing some of those questions that come up time and time again. And we have a question here from Melissa Burns in South Carolina. She sent this via email and she says, I don't know about anybody else, but my Google Classroom stream is about to drive me crazy. I was always getting messages from parents and students that could not find certain things like links or instructions. My saving grace was discovering the materials option in the classwork page. Here I can organize important instructions, links, and even how-to videos. Did not know if this could help anyone else. I love listening to y'all every week. So thanks, Melissa. And that is definitely something that if you're using Google Classroom and you haven't taken advantage of the add materials section um, or actually just when you click the create button, you can add a material. It doesn't have to be an assignment. So it's not going to be added to the grade book. It's not going to have a due date, but it's a way to organize those things. And right now those things are probably more important than ever. The how-to videos, the instructional videos, the resources, the enrichment links that you may be sharing. I would also take that up a notch and create a topic for those things. And it, right now, it might even be distance learning or remote learning um, resources, something like that to organize those. So Melissa and anyone else listening who needs some Google Classroom help, I'm also posting a link in our show notes to the Google Classroom cheat sheets that I created a few weeks ago that'll walk you through step by step on some of that, as well as a Google Classroom uh, frequently asked questions page that I started. So it may have some of those quick tips. And the other thing that I think would help Melissa and the students is to bookmark the classwork page. Navigation in classroom is horrendous. And so we end up back on the stream. Most teachers I know don't don't like the stream. They don't like the way it works. You can customize that, by the way, and not have to see everything there. But we spend the most of our time on the classwork page. Just bookmark the classwork page when you're there. I put it in my bookmarks bar and I have a little video that will show you how to do that so that you're not constantly just clicking back and, oh, I got to go back to classwork. Because if that stream is confusing people, we want them to go back to classwork. I feel like that's where they're going to get the correct instructions. So I hope that helps you, Melissa. All right, let's jump into the blog. So Matt and I are creating quickly and almost daily. So we have a lot of things to share with you and a lot of links that will be in our show notes for you. So one thing I wanted to mention, I am doing a free webinar on May 1st for school leaders with a focus on schools who are using G Suite and how we're going to lead the new normal with a framework for digital learning, how we are going to survive this, first of all, but how we are going to take the skills that our teachers are learning right now and use that momentum to move us into the next phase. So I have the link in our show notes. You can register for the webinar. Even if you can't attend live, I'll send you the recording if you register. 
Um, I also have that Google Classroom FAQ that I mentioned earlier, as well as a new podcast episode uh, with some productivity tips on how to work from home and get things done. It's I, I'm a kind of a productivity geek. I read a lot of different books. I use a lot of different tools. And so I'm just sharing all of that and how to set some goals and make those goals happen while you're stuck at home. And then I've also curated a page now where you can get to all the Google templates in one place on ShakeUp Learning. Um, and just to clarify, for school leaders, I, I do intend this audience to be principals, superintendents, tech coaches, directors, all of that is fine if teachers want to attend, but the audience is actually going to be for those decision makers. Yeah, this is good stuff. I was just telling Casey off air that um, this school leaders webinar that she's doing, I'm not seeing, of course, there may be some that are somewhere, but I'm not seeing anybody really doing this. So if this is, you know, if this is your role or if you've got a school leader that you want to, you know, make sure that they're doing the right stuff, I would definitely highly suggest that webinar. That's that's really good. So I've been sharing a couple of uh, new resources too. For instance, um, I know we've had Lisa Highfill, who is one of the co-creators of HyperDocs on the podcast before. And of course, HyperDocs is a really great way to organize your lessons, especially during remote learning. And so um, on the Ditch That Textbook blog, I just recently put up a post about the Explore, Explain, Apply framework, which is a small subset of what HyperDocs uses. And I tell you what, this is a really helpful way to wrap your brain around how to write lessons, how to create lessons during remote learning. And so, you know, we've got templates and suggested tools and a whole bunch of examples there. Then there's also a post about online whiteboard options. I had somebody email me recently and said, hey, I want to do something with my whiteboard or like something like with my whiteboard, what do you suggest? And I thought, hey, I could write a whole post about that. So um, there are examples of if you want digital whiteboarding tools, we've got a whole bunch of those. Um, if you're looking for an app that kind of mimics the idea of whiteboarding, there's that. And then there's even a couple of options for actually recording a real whiteboard and using your phone as a document camera. There's just all sorts of really cool stuff. And then of course, there's the Ditch that textbook e-learning resources page where we're constantly adding new uh, resources that you can use. And I've got this post called 70 e-learning activities, templates, and tutorials that you can definitely come back to over and over again as you're planning those lessons. So if you want to get to any of that good stuff, head to googleteacherpodcast.com slash 115. Well, hopefully in this episode, you've gotten some ideas on how to maintain those connections, maybe even build some connections. I hope that you're finding a sort of a new version of normal and are starting to settle into it. And, um, you know, hopefully some of these ideas will will sort of support you and your students as you're doing that. We love having you as a as a listener to the podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, that makes sure that you don't miss anything. And if you are a subscriber and you like the show, if you haven't had an opportunity to, we would be thrilled and honored if you told somebody else about the show. That's the best way to, to get the word out. So if you get an opportunity to do that, we would really, really love it. Thanks so much for listening. Continue to share with us. We want to know what's working for you. So that'll do it for this episode. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. 
never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that G-suite power and may the Googles be with you. afraid it was like one of those weird i don't know something like highly inappropriate after i said it and yeah well no and then i was like well i don't even know if that sounds you know like sometimes you hear a word and you're like now it sounds funny so to vamp is to attach a new upper to a boot or shoe to repeat a short simple passage of music okay or to blatantly set out to attract so I'm sure somebody will let me know. Oh, wait, let's go Urban Dictionary. Let's see what the Urban is. You could probably do use of a phrase. Uh Uh-huh. Go ahead. I was going to say, you could probably do any of that stuff while you were virtually camping, you know? Yes. Or maybe I'll just submit it to Urban Dictionary and make it a new word anyway. (laughs) Virtual camping. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Oh, man. We are getting a little bit loopy, aren't we? Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.